ever wondered what online experts talk about in the green room before they take the stage? Well, Jeff Walker and Chris Ducker are about to bring you into the conversation. They've been through the battles and got the scars to prove it. Now they're sharing over 40 years of experience showing you what it takes to succeed and how to avoid the mistakes along the way. Welcome to This is Online Business. Episode two, This is Online Business with Chris Ducker and Jeff Walker. Welcome. Chris, that first episode was about what we expected. It's us, you know, two... 40 years of experience between the two of us, 40 plus years of experience in online business. And we just want to cover what, how this business really works. So Chris, in the end of episode one, we started to talk about personal branding, which is definitely an area of your expertise. So personal brand, what is it? How important is it? How do you get it? How to think about it? Is it worth it? What are the pitfalls? Well, okay, let's let's go. Let's answer a couple of those real quick. That's like yes, a three day. That, that's a that's a three day seminar. We just yeah. Uh, we just <laughs> yeah. Join me and Jeff. Uh, yeah. No, I I mean yeah, it's totally worth it. Um, I don't think it's for everyone, and we can certainly dive into that a little bit. But I think it's totally worth it to look at building a personal brand. And a lot of people have asked me, you know, and interviews and stuff they say you know, what is a personal brand what does that what does that even mean and i've always said pretty much the same thing and that is that it's what other people say about you when you're not around that's your personal brand now some people might say well that can just be your reputation but i think there's a difference between being known for something and being talked about for something uh and i think that like when you're not at that coffee meeting and when you're not at that business conference or that dinner party and your name pops up and somebody says, oh, uh, blah, 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 Jeff Walker, you want to have that positive feedback from somebody who's, oh, yeah, product launch formula, blah, 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 Chris Ducker, oh, yeah, Youpreneur, blah, 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 blah. And that's what, that's what ultimately what a personal brand is for me. It's being known for something very specific, right? Uh, everything else, reputation-wise, yes, that's super important as well. Don't get me wrong. Uh, if you're a shady character and somebody says something bad about you, that's not going to be great for your personal brand. But ultimately, it's being known for something very specific within a particular field or niche. I think of, like, to me, like, one word that, as you were talking about that is, like, value. The the value that, that you can bring that you're known for. Would, is that? Yeah. It's value and it's also coming, at least initially anyway, from a place of service. We want to serve first and sell later, right? So, you know, the idea of, I mean, very simply doing things like creating valuable content that you publish on a, say, weekly basis. Uh, Perfect example, every Sunday I publish a newsletter on my email subscriber list called Future Proof, where it is exactly what you would expect from me. It's me talking about me, my businesses, my clients, what we're doing together to be able to kind of put the world to right, so to speak. Um, And people get that every Sunday at 10 a.m. UK time, which is in the middle of the night or very early in the morning, your time. Um, You have your uh, weekly YouTube video, which goes, is every Sunday your video goes out? 
yeah, we, there you go. Yeah. So, and you've been doing that years and years and years as well. So whether it's just creating a piece of consistent content that goes out, that serves a community of individuals, get them thinking, get them, you know, contemplating what they could potentially do, how they might be able to start doing it, et cetera, et cetera. Or whether it's something like publishing a book, which is more of a long form piece of content, they're both business assets, right? Whether you publish a video, publish a newsletter or publish a book, they're all business assets. And once they're out there, they can be found for a long, long time thereafter. So our, our role as personal brand business owners is to come from a place of value, come from a place of service, and if we do that well enough and we help people do really good things, then we get the opportunity to be able to put a price tag on some of the services and the products that we provide. Um, I'm a big believer that like Zig Ziglar, who I've never met, uh, I've read, I'm pretty sure I've pretty read all of his books. Uh, I got into big trouble with my mother uh, when I was 15 because uh, there was an incident at Wimbledon Library and a Zig Ziglar audio cassette that I wasn't allowed to take out of the library on my library card yet somehow it ended up the cassette ended up in my home um anyway my mother who was very catholic irish marched me back down to the library and i had to go and stack, sort out all the little index cards for an entire month after school every day but like zig ziglar i digress zig ziglar he used to say you can have anything in life that you want as long as you help as many other people get what they want as you can and I'm a big believer of that, big believer. And that at the very heart of everybody's personal brand is, hey, I'm here to provide some value and to help you out, listen up kind of thing. And you're looking at me. I know we're only going to do an audio show right now, but you're looking at me as if to say, hold on for a minute, go back. I need to we're, hear this. We're, no, no, we're, we're at some point, at some point, we're going to come back to A, this cassette and yes. the amount that you're home. And yes. B, you uh, filing index cards mm -hmm. at at the library. Do they? Do they? It's been a while since I've been in a library. Yeah. They can't still use those index cards. I, I... <laughs> no, Jeff. I think in 2023 they've moved on. I think they've so, moved on. So there's going to be people cards. that have no contact. A lot of our listeners are going <laughs> to have zero context for for that. Um, yeah. And someone's going to be listening to this 30 years from now, and they're going to yeah. be like, what? yeah. Well, it's like so when you speak to a millennial about cassettes and how we used to use our pencil to rewind the tape so that we would save the batteries from our Walkmans. They say, like, okay, number one, what's a cassette? Number two, <laughs> what's a Walkman? So, dude, were you? you know? So, so like, I was, like, I, like in my group of friends, I was the mixtape guy. Like, yes. if there was going to be a party, I was the one putting yes, together. Yes, dude, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And like then inevitably there'd be like one song you put in the middle of the tape and you realize I actually that's a horrible song and I don't actually want that song to be on a mixtape of mine that gets played at a party because of what people are gonna think of me. But right. you can't just go hit delete. No, <laughs> you know? Don't do that. You know, that the idea of being able to to like move songs around in a playlist that we can do, you know, without thinking about it now. And like if we could have had that one thing back in the mixtape days, what I would have given for that. Yeah. 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 I'm with you 100%. And guys, so what uh, a, so, you know, if you're so Chris, one in, of the things you, you want to school us on mixtape uh, etiquette, you know, eth ethics of mixtapes, we need to know these things. Like, please let us know whether we're, right. whether Jeff yeah. and or I the other thing too, well. like, you know, so how long is a mixtape, right? 
You know, we used to do 90 minute tapes or like the best tapes. So that's 45 yeah. minutes per side, but it was actually like 45, 46 minutes because there always been extra minutes. We get a little so extra real or two there. Yeah. 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 It's like, can I fit another song in? I got like, I got two minutes and 37 seconds. What song can I put on? That's two yes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. And you know what the worst now thing we've about mixtapes was? All, no, 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 we've lost them now, Jeff. We've yeah, lost every them. every listener is gone, so we can talk about anything we want. <laughs> but we're going to keep going anyway because this is what they can yeah, expect yeah, to, to hear. Because we're, you know what the worst thing about mixtapes was was when you couldn't afford. Like if you're a younger dude like me, because you got a couple of years on me, right? So if if you're a younger guy like me and you you know you got the paper round thing and then you've got the you're stacking the shelves on the Wednesday evening and the Saturday after basketball practice and blah 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 blah, you can't afford to go out and buy all the tapes that you want to listen to, right? So it's like now you've got to tune into the radio and you have to, you know, like when you used to, rem I don't know whether you did this, but I used to wait for the song that you want. The moment you hear that beat drop, you hit the play and the record button, right? And you record the song. And then inevitably, the bloody DJ would come in and talk right at the end of the song and ruin it for everybody. And he'd have to try and figure out another way of being able to get the song again. Did that ever happen to you? <laughs> 100%. 100 yeah. Another thing that 98% that of our audience is not going to be able to identify with. But yeah, it's sort of like when my mom starts talking about when they would get ice delivered for their ice box, it's like hard for me to. Yeah. 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 Okay. Anyway. So, so anyway. at the, at the, at the danger or the, the, the peril of like actually talking about something people might be interested in <laughs> when you were talking about, when you were talking about the, um, that's see, I we should cut that. That's bad seating, but we're not editing this, so yeah. yeah. So, so like going back to the last episode, we we just touched on briefly this idea of like a the imposter syndrome or who am I to to be doing this? Who am I to teach this? Who am I? Yeah. So yeah. personal brand, you were talking about being known for for creating value, being known for being of service, hopefully being known in a niche. How do how do people get beyond that idea of who am I or I I'm I'm not good enough or I don't know enough? You know it's interesting, and I mean I I you know I'm a pretty extroverted guy, but I'm I'm quite introverted as well. But I'm quite extroverted. Like when I want to be center of attention, like I'm I'm on like let's go kind of thing, right? But at first, I remember when I first started online really started online like to a 2008 2009 really starting to get serious 2010 blogging podcasting in 2010 uh and i remember when i started my podcast a good buddy of mine pat flynn who now has one of the most popular shows in the in the business section smart passive income of any uh podcast player he had bought all of his gear like he had all this gear and i was at his house uh, all those years ago. And he had like mics and swing arms, you know, like boom arms and mixers and all this kind of, and I was like, dude, this is great. Like, when are you going to start your podcast? And he was like, I don't know, man. Like I've had this stuff for like six months. I've got no idea when I'm going to start this. I'm like, really? After that trip, I went back home and I started a podcast like two weeks later with nothing but my Apple headphones with the built-in mic, Right. This is when, you know, there was still a cable on your headphones, right? And and it was like, I remember the first two or three episodes thinking to myself, why am I doing this? 
I don't have anywhere as big of an audience as Pat does. Why am I doing this? Who's going to listen? Who, who in their right mind would say yes to coming on to being a guest on this show, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I was proven wrong. I was proven wrong, Jeff, because I put the thing live. I did probably a dozen or so episodes. And then I started reaching out to people and I had just out of nowhere, like just randomly contacting people like Leo Babauta, Darren Rouse, um, you know, Chris Brogan, even Gary Vaynerchuk, all these guys like who were big names in, 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 in the blogosphere, the online world, et cetera. They'd never known of me. They've never heard of me before. And I think what, why they came on was because I just turned around and asked plain and simple. So I think it's like anything else, whether you, whether you feel like you've got a little bit of imposter syndrome or whether it's just like a lack, maybe it's just fear of, of failure. I don't know. But nine times out of 10, whenever I felt like that, and whenever I've worked with anybody that's felt like, why me? Why would people bother subscribing to my email list? I, I have to almost force them to do it because it's all inside our own heads. It's playing with us inside of our own heads. And I'm so glad that I started that show in 2010 because I've been able to meet so many amazing people through my podcasting endeavors since then. I probably wouldn't have met them if I had not been podcasting. So like anything else, you just got to take a step forward and do it, you know? Yeah, for sure. So that when you're talking about the Pat Flynn, did he already at that point have, was he already publishing like he had a blog or something? Yeah, that he was had smart, yeah smart passive income was, was very much up and running at that point. We had been in contact with each other for about a year and a half or so. And his blog okay. was growing vastly in popularity at that point as well so that's what i want i'd love everyone to everyone all everyone is listening at this point to to really <laughs> sink into that yeah so if we didn't lose you already with the mixtapes um that you even someone who has like a blog that was blowing up that had a serious presence yes and someone who had a future, I mean, Pat, his podcast is freaking huge. Yeah. And so he clearly, you know, if you had a time machine at that moment where he's surrounded by equipment, but but worried or scared to push the record button, we, those of us with the time machine knew that in the future, he was going to have millions and millions and billions of downloads coming yep. in his future. He already had this, he already clearly had a voice because he had this blog. And yet even him it was easy to push the to go, to go push the buy button and get all that gear but he was like who's going who wants to right. listen to me right right you know, exactly it's like um when we when we first moved back from the philippines 5 years ago the family uh wanted to go fishing and went out and bought a load of stuff to go fishing with my son and then my son was like, well, I don't want to go fishing. I said, well, I've got all this stuff now. You know, what am I going to do? Am I am I not going to use it? Like a board, like you say, it's easy just to buy the stuff. Long story short, ended up selling the stuff. We never went fishing, and I wish that we did because we probably would have had a lot more fun a lot sooner on with all that sort of stuff. Right? It's very easy to to dip your toe in the water, but it's a whole different ball game to dive in, isn't it? Yeah. Although one of the things that like if for someone who's starting out, so for Pat, 
he had this following. He had this blog. And so that meant the, the, the plus side of that is that mean, man, as soon as he came with that podcast, he hits send to his email list. And at some point we're gonna have to talk email lists, but he hits yeah. send and instantly people are going to start listening. And uh, just like with this podcast, we, we both have all kinds of assets. We're going to hit the send button on this and people are going to at least listen to the, <laughs> at least till we get to the mixtape part. And I, I think um, you're, I think you're being horrible to the mixtape part. I, I think you're going to regret that. I think the mixtape thing is going to be one of those little tidbits of when people come up to us at conferences, when we're like the most famous podcasters in the world, five years from now, Jeff, people are going to come up and say, I remember the mixtape discussion. And that's what they're going to remember more than anything else. Dude, I, I probably still have a mix one of one one or two or three of my mixtapes somewhere, somewhere. Well, he's getting them out. Oh, dude. Yeah. But you know what? Yeah. It's but, interesting. But, so, you you said like like how like things have changed so much, right? Like things have changed so much because whereas with Pat would have had that email list in place and that blog readership in place to launch his podcast. Nowadays, you don't need that to launch a podcast because the podcasting platforms themselves have changed so much. Their algorithms have gotten so bloody smart that you don't need to send any traffic to your podcast upon launching mm -hmm. it. They'll push it out there for you. And if people listen and subscribe and download and review it, they will send more and more traffic your way as a direct result of doing that. So you don't even need a massive following to launch something like a podcast or a YouTube channel because the algos on the back end of these platforms are going to do all that or a lot of the heavy lifting for you. So you think it's discovery is still possible? Like, and I used a technical term there from the industry, you know, discovery that of you, clearly the algorithms are, are there and they can help us out. But there is so much competition in YouTube channels and in podcasts that you, you, I mean, you think discovery someone could just blow up from? I'm not. From I'm, I'm not saying that you're going to blow up overnight. I think the chances of overnight success is very, very, very slim nowadays. But what I am saying is that you don't need to have a all singing, all dancing following on another platform in order to do well on a new one. Um, okay. and, I, and I think the biggest killer of people not doing well on a new platform, let's say a YouTube channel, for example, they could have a popular podcast or they could have a popular newsletter or whatever it is. I think the biggest killer for people is that they're not consistent. That's going to be the biggest killer. In, in the overall new media approach of discoverability, converting people onto your email list into paying customers, et cetera, et cetera, the lack of consistency is going to kill personal brands and businesses more than anything else that you'll do. Because if you're not consistent, then the algorithm forgets about you very, very quickly anyway. So I want to, I want, we should talk platforms and platforms via versus email or platforms plus email. But one one thing I want to circle back, you know, when I was talking about Pat, like Pat had the benefit of he already had this significant platform with his blog and I'm sure an email list. And he was going to leverage that to launch his podcast. And so that's that that's the plus side. The downside is that he had a big audience and he was going to have a big spotlight on when he came out with that podcast. And 
Um, you know, if you've built a significant business, you don't want to come out with something that's, you know, amateurish. And, and, and the, but for people who are just starting out, who maybe are in that, you know, why should someone pay attention to me? The imposter syndrome piece. The great thing about being in that place is that no one's going to see your first video. No, not, and when I say no one, that doesn't mean no one, but very, you know, you're, you're playing in a small pond when you're starting out and it gives you oh, yeah. the time to get your chops down. And if anyone wants to be entertained, go to any like YouTube channel, like, or podcast. And, you know, you can, you can go and sort and look at the oldest episode. And I guarantee you Pat's first episode doesn't sound anywhere near as pro as the ones he's putting out right now. Nowhere close. And, Nowhere if, close. you know, if you go to like my YouTube channel, there's probably, we're probably close to 500 videos. But if you went back and looked at my first one, I mean, it's it's pretty janky. So <laughs> the, if you are in that, like, I'm scared to get started, what are people going to think? And you, but you don't have a big platform. Well, you're lucky you because you're playing on a small stage and it's, and it's great to have a small stage to practice on. Yeah. And in that last episode, Chris, I talked about Anne LaFollette, who was teaching surface design and, you know, I'd gotten laid off in her late fifties and she started, all of her business was done live. And I used to think like live doing live video was really, really scary for most people. And, and, you know, you're playing without a net. Well, she broadcast, did a live Facebook every single week for for months and months and months starting her business. The only person watching for the first several months was her cousin. Like her cousin, it's like, so she got to practice, practice with one with her cousin watching. Right. And then eventually she started using paid traffic and started driving a few people in. And now she's built up a serious business. But like for the people that are like, I'm worried about getting started. Just understand if if you're starting from scratch, the, the one of the pluses of that is you've, you're on a small stage and you can practice on a small stage. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you didn't you you do your uh, launches live now, but like you didn't do them live. Well, how long ago did you start doing them? I think it was like four or five years ago, right? I think we so. I I, I would say about yeah around nineteen or maybe 18 was our first where we were all live before that. What was we did the video. biggest like stumbling block for you on that then? Like what was it because there was no do overs or was it the tech or something like that? Well, I mean, it, it, the format radically changed, but how, how we taught the timing of it, how it all came together. That was a big shift. You know, I, at that point, let's call it, let's call it, 18. It was either 17 or 18 when we went live. And, and before that, we did video. We did really fancy, beautiful video. But for me, it wasn't hard going live because I had spent a, I spent a lot of time on doing my live events. You, you, you mentioned earlier coming out to my PLF live event. So I used to be on stage live. So being on live, live broadcast wasn't a big shift for me. Yeah. Um, and and it, it felt natural and, and, Frankly, these days I've been thinking about going back to video, but that live format just suits us, me, so well. Um, and in some ways, it's easier to do. Just turn on the camera and start talking. Versus when you're when you do video, especially the fancy video we were doing, 
people are expect that the expectation level is very high. Mm. You know, when you're live and you have a tangent or you drop a marker on the ground, people just love that because it just shows it's live. Absolutely. It's so, almost like separating the, uh, the polished kind of perfect view of how everybody sort of sees, you know, online experts and influencers, quote unquote, and all that kind of stuff. And then kind of bring it in a slap of reality of, Oh, Jeff's just got a coughing fit or, you know, he's, you know, he's had to run, you know, to, to grab water or pick up his pen or something like that. Like it, like you say, it keeps it uh, almost grounded to a certain degree. It just keeps it real. doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So we touched on platforms earlier and platforms are, it's interesting. Um, So yeah, I've been, well, for, for one, you can, there, there is the discovery aspect. There's building up something on a platform. There's the being consistent. There's picking the platform that fits for you. Um, one of the things, so, so for me, like YouTube is one of my, probably is my main platform, really. And I have been consistent every week for, I don't know, we might be at 10 years now. I should go take a look and, and make a big deal about it if it, if it is 10 years. It's, it's April of of some year. So it might be 10 years. Anyway, so I've been consistent there. I do like that channel. It's actually a channel where I consume stuff. Um, I've watched videos on YouTube. I don't consume much other social. Um, You know, one of the things about platforms, though, is they're inherently risky because we you don't control them. Yep. As we speak right now, I don't have a Facebook, a personal Facebook account because Facebook Mm -hmm. just shut down my account for no reason. And I haven't been able to get it back. So when you're building on a platform, there's always some risk of being deplatformed for any number of reasons yeah. or your account yeah. being hacked or whatever. Um, it's one of the things it's I one, love about Python. I think it's one of those things though. It's like, particularly with something like Facebook, like I, I, I close my Facebook account down tomorrow. If I if it wasn't attached to sort of ad accounts and things like that, from a business standpoint, I don't, but I choose not to use Facebook, but obviously I'm utilizing Facebook to build and, and, you know, spread reach and, you know, messages and build a business. Right. But I always tell people like, you don't want to build your home on rented land. So you use these platforms like Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, and all that sort of stuff. You use all those people to be able to do exactly that, to be able to spread your message, but then ultimately you want to get people back to your home, back to your website and on your email list. Uh, our very good mutual friend, Amy Porterfield said to me many years ago, and I'll never forget this. She said, the health of your business will directly be uh, associated with the health of your email list. And right. I'll never forget that because it's so, so true. It really is. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna have to do a whole episode or multiple on email because yeah, so many people are like, does email really work? Should I bother building an email list? I I hung out with a, a, an influencer who has a great. I think she's about almost six hundred or seven hundred thousand followers on Instagram, and she's got zero an email list of zero. Yeah, yeah. And she makes a great in, yeah. She she makes a great income, but I'm like, you could 10x your income if you just 
drove a few of those people to an email list. Yeah. But uh, so a lot of people are like, email, it's old school. No one looks at email anymore. It's like, you're two old dudes or like one really old dude and one pretty old dude. Um, <laughs> and that's why you talk about email. But, you know, e- email is not important anymore or no one looks at email or does email still work? And, you know, there there's a certain group of people that never ask whether email works. And those are people that have an email list. <laughs> you know, those are people that actually have an online business right. where they're, you know, they're, they're, they're selling stuff. Um, those are the people that never ask, does email still work? See it uh, over it, and over and over again, man. You know, it, you don't send emails, your, your income will plateau. Every time you send an email, your, your income can go up. There's no doubt about it. Like, I, I, I can probably go back through history, as I know you probably can as well, where if I look at, say, a two-week period where I'm super active on my email list, email in my list several times a week within, you know, two, three times a week within those two weeks, let's say six emails over two weeks, I will make incrementally more money over those two weeks than I would do if I didn't send any emails at all. Like I can, I'll stand by that 100% all day long. That's how good it is, you know? I think it's just like, it's a gas pedal. It's like, yeah, when you hit send on an email and you're sending them either to whatever you're sending to, and it could just be, hey, go watch my video. It's like the acceleration happens within seconds of hitting that email. And I, I think there are some influencers that can, that with huge followings, that can get that instant power out of a out of a post on social. But for most people, it just pales in comparison to to what sending an email does. Yeah. And well, we're definitely going to go into a lot more, a hell of a lot more, uh, you know, in depth when it comes to email and what we need to do to be able to create our email list. How can we get people onto our list? How do we service our email list better, et cetera, et cetera. But Jeff, any, um, any, any passing wisdom on, on mixtapes or any other. Yeah. Just one, I have one quick, one final quick question for you because Mm. it strikes, because you've, you've done a lot more of podcasting than I have. And it strikes me that like all the other platforms, other than email, other than your own website, other than your own blog, most of all of them, you are on rented property, but it seems like podcasts is like, it, since it's a, such a distributed mechanism, it's, I know Apple and Spotify are the two big ones, oh, yeah. but at least there's two big ones and there's yeah. others. It feels to me like a podcast is something that is semi, you own that. Well, I, I think because of the fact that it's distributed across so many different platforms, like some people will only listen to podcasts on Spotify. Some will only listen on Apple. Some will only listen on iHeart or, you know, a hundred of, you know, there's a whole bunch of those podcast players out there, right? See, with YouTube, when you put a video up on YouTube, it can only be consumed on YouTube, right? But when you put a podcast up into your podcast feed, it can be downloaded and listened to on all these different players. So, I mean, yes, it's still yours, just like the video is yours on YouTube. But if YouTube decides to take that video down, it's gone, that's it. Or if YouTube goes down, nobody can see that video for that day, those hours or whatever it is. But if Spotify 
decides to dump podcasts from their app lineup, at least your podcast can still be consumed on all the other players. So I think there is a certain amount of control left behind on that, or at least lack of, you know, disastrous opportunities coming your way as a content creator. If you were to ask me today, what type of content I can only pick one medium, what type of content I will pick to create a piece of content and publish out into the world every single week. If you'd ask me which medium I would pick, I would pick a podcast every single time, every single time, because here we are, we've been talking half an hour or so right now. This has become very intimate for the listener. Okay. Yes, they've had some fun with us. Yes, I hopefully they've picked up some knowledge and things like that as well. But you know what else they've been doing? They've literally inserted us into their ears for the last 30 minutes, Jeff. Like this is a personal connection that we have with the people listening in here. You don't really get that with video. You certainly don't get it on social because people are just scrolling, 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 waiting for that next endorphin fix, right? So I I feel like podcasting without a doubt is is probably the best medium i i feel particularly when it comes to building a personal brand and, and becoming known as an expert in your niche for sure so we have gotten to that point where our listeners can be sort of co-creators here or watch the creation process and watch how we try to figure out how to end these episodes so <laughs> so if you've enjoyed this well, we've got another episode coming for you. Go go back, listen to episode one if you missed that one. We're dropping a season here. We're figuring this out as you listen in. The one thing we know is we've got 40 years of experience in this business, and we have we tend to entertain ourselves when we have conversations and go in all kinds of different directions. Hopefully, we've entertained you and built some value for you. Is this where like, we ask for a review or something like that, Chris? Yeah, you can do that. If you're enjoying the show, just no matter what platform you're on, whoever you're listening, you know, wherever you're listening in from, just go ahead and give us a quick review, hit the subscribe button. And if you really, really liked the discussion that Jeff and I had on mixed mixtapes in this particular episode, you can go ahead and share it with your friends and they can listen to it as well. But we appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate you being here and for reviewing and subscribing and all that good stuff as well. We will be back with another episode very soon. Until then, bye-bye.